Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, Kansas City's star Chiefs reporter Jesse Newell joins former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio on our show. Joe, so much of the narrative of the Chiefs season revolved around whether they could replace Tyreek Hill well, it's a relatable situation because talk about big shoes to fill. I had to replace Jesse Newell at the Lawrence Journal World back in the day. <laughs> well, it's all about it's all about finding the next uh, talent and standing on the shoulders of giants, Jeff. So uh, <laughs> Jesse is uh, you're standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, or or just like the Kansas City Chiefs, the Lawrence Journal World was better off afterwards. <laughs> no, After yeah, we don't know, you know. It's definitely not. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Jesse, thanks for joining us. Love. It's going to be great getting your perspective. You do such great work, you know, following the sports scene and the Chiefs and KC. So thank you so much for, for joining us and, uh, you know, offering up your perspectives on, you know, not only where this team is going, because we got a, another, you know, season air quote two ahead of us. Um, we've had a fantastic season, but, you know, there's a lot's built built up to this too, just like Jeff said, you know, with where we are, where this team is with, you know, having lost somebody like a Tyreek Hill, what they did to overcome it, sort of the state of the NFL would love to get your thoughts on so many things. Um, that, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And it, it is, it's been amazing to kind of watch this transformation because, you know, you, you see sort of, we kind of thought about this in the off season, like the Chiefs might take a half step back to take mm-hmm. a full step forward in future years. Uh, but yet now they just have their cake and they eat it too. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> you take a half step back to go 14 and three and win the one seed. And so uh, I think there are some things kind of behind the scenes that allowed the Chiefs to do that and maybe kind of um, big picture wise, a lot of that. And it's a good time to kind of talk about that because as you said, I mean, everybody now is going to judge the team based off the playoffs. That's how we determine champions in the mm-hmm. NFL, all those sorts of things. So it is a good time to kind of reflect back and say, Hey, uh, the second best season in, in chiefs history, uh, that was pretty good. And what the chiefs were able to do, even what was considered to be maybe a year that they were going to take a step sideways, at least to, to look to the long term. now that they Go 14 and three, and the long term looks really bright and rosy. Uh, that's a really, really impressive step to take. Yeah, and kind of a segue in, uh, from that question or from that answer is what do you think about, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the infographic that a lot of people are talking about right now? Uh, that he is the oldest quarterback oh. in the AFC yes. playoff picture at 27. Now, listen, he is the same age as my daughter's. So of course I'm going to call him a kid because to me, you know, he is, he's, he's a kid, but obviously he's a, he's a grown, grown man, a professional football player. But, you know, when you get to my age, you can, you can say those things, but what do you think of that? What's, what's been the the talk uh, in media circles about the AFC 
sort of in that boat versus maybe even what the NFC is and where they're sitting with the more sort of veteran quarterback group? Yeah, we talked to Andy Reid and Patrick Holmes uh, on a Zoom call just uh, on Monday, and that is sort of what they brought up, the old guard or the old man of the group. And nobody thinks of Patrick Holmes as that, but it does speak to sort of the young quarterback play and uh, how some of these guys have risen pretty quickly. And also maybe why if you are, I don't know, Chicago Bears, you get the number one overall pick. I mean, the the quarterback is so important. You know, how many resources do you throw at that? Do you just continue firing bullets with the lottery tickets to make sure you land on the right guy? Uh, you know, like a team a few years ago, if you would have taken Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen and ended up with only Josh Allen, that would have been a pretty good draft for you. You know what I mean? So it, it's kind of it's, it's trending that way in the NFL. But it does speak to, you know, I, I think I've heard some stats out there, you know, this is going to be when Patrick officially wins at his second MVP and he's won a Super Bowl trophy. And I don't think anybody's done that at his age ever in the NFL. And so it speaks to not only what he's accomplished, but other teams, you know, what, what you can get done with a rookie deal quarterback, because you can throw your resources to other places and the chiefs remaining this good when Patrick Mahomes is not on his rookie year contract. I think that that's pretty impressive as well. So um, yeah, there's a lot of different things that go into it, but I was pretty surprised when I saw that staff for the first time, 27 um, and the quarterback is usually a, a graceful ish position to, to age. You know, you can get into you. I mean, what Tom Brady is 45, you know, he's in the playoffs, that sort of thing. So you can usually um, overcome some things down the stretch, even uh, if you are not the most athletic and still can't run uh, or use your legs as much. But uh, for Patrick Mahomes to be the oldest guy in the AFC, that definitely is a storyline, very interesting, but it also speaks to kind of the career he's had so far to accomplish so much and still only be 27 years old. Yeah. And, and for the old guard chiefs fans, it's completely counter this whole movement to mm-hmm. these first contract quarterbacks than, than I know what I was used to. I mean, that was our struggle in Kansas City when I was there in the 90s is we our defense was so darn good that Coach Schottenheimer, you know, we all know that he was relatively conservative, right, in his both his play calling and his style. I mean, obviously he made a big switch when we went to the West Coast offense when, when Joe came. Um, but it's so counter to anything I was used to because – we didn't we never wanted to lose the opportunity to get further in the playoffs by taking a risk on a young quarterback there i think to me that that was more of the rule than the exception troy aikman was i think back then in the 90s and maybe even the early 2000s like that was the exception where you said ah i'm throwing caution to the wind i'm going to throw a rookie quarterback in there and i don't care if we go 1 and 15 or 15 and 1 this is our guy and we're going with it seems like coaches have completely flipped that narrative because you look at that the history of the chiefs it was you know up oh, let's have steve pelor dave craig steve deberg Joe Montana, as great as he was, he was still at the tail end of his career. Steve Bono, right? It was never a career starter. Took him until he was in his 30s, you know, almost 30s to get that first playoff start. So it it's 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 very counter for a lot of old guard fans, I'm sure. Um, any any reaction that you've heard or talking to fans about about something like that and how they took that chance and they're kind of glad they did, of course. Well, also, let's talk about it's not supposed to work out this way to like the only quarterback you take in the draft in the first round in 30 years is Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, oh, you just took Michael Jordan with your one pick. And I'm sure fans are out there like, well, you probably should have done that 20 years ago. Just see how it turned out. If you're so good at picking these sorts of things. Uh, but no, you're absolutely right. And so I, I've kind of made this comparison a lot this year. But you talked about the, the Marty Ball and, and sort of why it worked. You know, Marty Ball that obviously you're there for the, you know, the defense played well, 
the special teams played well. The offense played conservatively, but they didn't turn it over a lot. Mm -hmm. And so you're basically what ended up happening in those days a lot was you allowed the other team to beat themselves. And Mm -hmm. that was so successful. And then obviously, you know, very small sample size. And I think a lot of this is just unlucky a little bit. When you get to the playoffs, you get a certain matchup, certain things happen, all that stuff. But it is tougher, you know, when teams come out and just beat you, because if they come out and beat you, then, you know, you're waiting for a turnover, but those aren't always predictable. And you're waiting for a big special teams play and you make some during the regular season, but you don't always get the opportunity to, you know? So uh, all those things, it makes sense to win football games because turnovers are so important. I mean, they are. And then I remember every single year, it was like the Marty calendar, you know, on every CBS broadcast or whatever broadcast. Take like, away, giveaway. That was always the giveaway. The, yeah. Martin, the Chiefs lead this. They always lead this. And, and they put a, you know, obviously put a huge emphasis on that. What it is now, I think, with the Chiefs is we sort of see the opposite of that with Patrick Mahomes. We know from all the studies out there, like the the magic bullet you can have in football is a pass offense. Like it's almost invincible. You can beat good defenses. You can beat bad defenses. It's almost weatherproof other than really windy days. Even in the cold, you can basically throw it. And so what the Chiefs do is just when they have a first down, they can pass it and they get a new first down. And when they get that first down, they turn into another first down and then all you know after three or four or five of those or six of those you're in the end zone and that's what the chiefs do so well and it's almost unstoppable because their pass offense is so good now what's happened is when they've struggled what is what has happened to them they've had special teams mistakes and they've had turnovers and so even in these games like when they have that crazy stat when patrick mahomes gets down 10 points he still has like a 60 percent win percentage or whatever but that sort of speaks to the chiefs now is that they can overcome mistakes because of the quarterback and because of the head coach. And that's what they have right now. Whereas, you know, a team like the Tennessee Titans, to me, they play a lot like the Chiefs did, where mm. you have the great defense, you, you you stand out on special teams, and you sort of try to beat up the opponent, play really physical, and you hope they make enough mistakes that you take advantage of. But if, if it's not going right for you, if Derrick Henry fumbles once, if, if the run game isn't perfect, there's just not much you can turn to. You know what I mean? So that's what makes the Chiefs so dangerous, and that's why – this past game against the Raiders, I thought was a really good sign and and sort of a sign of their ceiling, which is when the fumbles aren't there, when the interceptions aren't there, when the punt, or punt return mistakes or the special teams mistakes aren't there, all of a sudden you just have that offense that keeps churning and the defense is starting to get better towards the end of the season. And you're left with a team, you're like, if they play like that, there's very few weaknesses and they have a passing offense that's almost uh, almost bulletproof. That's a really, really good football team. So you don't know when those mistakes are going to pop up, but the Chiefs are good enough to overcome mistakes. That's what a great passing offense, a great quarterback does for you. Great stuff there, Jesse. Well, more with uh, Kansas City Star reporter Jesse Newell in a second. But first, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL to the end of the bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, Well, the Chiefs obviously have a bye this weekend, but they, they talked about how they're spending their bye week already breaking down films of potential uh, teams they could play. Yeah, I, I'm curious to get both of your takes. You know, when you're looking at this playoff field, when fans are watching the other teams this weekend, who are, you know, maybe some potential teams um, next week that could, that that maybe give the Chiefs some, some concern or maybe teams that really are favorable matchups 
for the Chiefs. Um, I the one I'm going to go with is you know, and they still have to get past the Jaguars, but I think the Chargers are a scary opponent. Just they, we know they always play the Chiefs right down to the wire. I'm not saying they would beat the Chiefs, but those games are so close, and now they're they're actually they've been so injury plagued. Um, they're now finally getting a little healthier, so I think that that is probably the matchup. Uh, that could that could be tough for the Chiefs. Yeah, our, our our listeners hear enough. They hear enough from me, Jeff, week in and week out. I think Jesse's the real treat here. I want to absolutely him anxious absolutely. to hear his uh, thoughts. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth on this stuff, and I've co- covered a lot of college basketball, as Jeff knows. And you know, I used to sort of be a guy like, oh, let's look at the individual matchups mm-hmm. and how would they do all those sorts of things, and would this team match up bad with this one? And over time, I think I've kind of backed off that just a little bit because. It's sort of like if you have a strength in one area, um, you know, that maybe you can expose on the other team. Well, potentially their team strength overall means that they're strong in a different area that you might be weak in. And so they might kind of just balance each other out in the end. So if you're looking at team strength, I would basically say that the Chiefs, you know, if we're just talking about like Vegas lines, that the teams remaining, it's probably not a huge difference between the top and the bottom. I would say, you know, Miami's a little bit scary with the receiving weapons, but if two is really not playing, yeah. I mean, that's probably the best matchup for the Chiefs. I mean, that, let, let's just be honest. Like, the defense has not been good all year. I know the Tyreek homecoming story would be at least something for us to write about. But if two is really not playing, that's been a team that has not performed as well without that happening. Uh, you mm-hmm. mentioned the Chargers. Um, it, the Chargers are crazy to me because every time I watch them play a football game that is not against the Chiefs, they don't look like they do. <laughs> like, like, it feels like the Chargers play their A-plus game against the Chiefs every single time. And the Chiefs need everything they have to beat them. And then – they go out and lose to some opponent. I'm like, what is going on here? But they are getting healthier at this time Including of year. Including the Jaguars. That was one of those games. They not when the Jaguars are really struggling, they destroy the Chargers. And you're like, now they face them again this weekend. That's what I'm saying. Like it's like Jekyll and Hyde. Every time I see the Chargers play, not the Chiefs, they look like you know not a very good team. And then every time I see them play the Chiefs, I'm like, how does this team not win 13 games? You know what I mean? So, uh, but again, getting healthier toward the end of the season, I could see. Um, you know, people saying like, look, they played them really close earlier and I understand that, but I still think that Vegas line would be Chiefs by seven or Chiefs by eight. So the big benefit, honestly, we all know this is the Chiefs don't have to play the Bengals or the Bills in this first game. And those two teams potentially have to play each other. So the Chiefs would probably be fine with any of those. I'm sure fans would be okay with the Jaguars because the Chiefs beat the Jaguars earlier. I didn't have too many troubles at home and that sort of one. But honestly, if we're looking at the Vegas lines, I think it'd be pretty close on those potential teams they play. Other than Miami, I think that would be the one that the Chiefs would, uh, you know, cheer most for. And obviously, if Miami's there, then that means that uh, Miami did a huge favor to the Chiefs by knocking one of those really, really good teams out of the playoffs. Yeah, I, Jeff, I'll take a different tact, maybe, and and um, you know, I think, I I think I'm looking at it right now, approaching this this wild card weekend is like who has a better chance of beating the team that's in front of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, we're, we're going to be looking at, um, you know, we're going to be looking at the, like Jesse said, we're going to be looking at the possibility of not playing the Bengals or the bills until, you know, the AFC championship game, which was, you know, would be set up for a, a beautiful a thing of beauty, right. Either e- any of those teams that the chiefs would get to play uh, in the AFC championship would be, you know, it's going to be a marquee matchup, right. Because there are two teams that have, have beaten the chiefs this year. There's a, there's some, real playoff rivalry and in-season rivalry building between the two, but just taking the week that's in front of us. I mean, I, I think, I think the chargers have a much better chance of, of beating the upstart Jaguars. I think the Jaguars, you know, still have a way to go. I know that, you know, Doug Peterson has championship DNA and he's won a super bowl with the Eagles and he's really done a fantastic job 
of 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 bringing that team along um, to where they are to where they are right now. But I still think they have a long way to go, and I think the Chargers are just going to have a little bit of an edge on them. And just like you said, they're starting to get healthy. Um, you you know that they're going to be thinking about you know what happened to them in the playoffs last year, and you know I think it's I think it's it's definitely something that is. Um, you know, it's going to be, they're going to be able to move forward. Um, and, you know, so would it be nice, you know, ultimately see the Jags? Yeah, absolutely. For the Chiefs. Cause I think they, that would be a, a, a better, a much, uh, a game that would not be good for the Jags. Mm-hmm. The, I, I think, I think the Dolphins have a lot less of a chance of beating the Bills. If I'm going to look at those two, the next two games in totality, I think the Dolphins have a lot less chance of beating the Bills than the than the than Baltimore does uh, beating the Bengals. I, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson just scares me because right. if he has a game, they're they're tough, man. You know he because he can win it with his arm, he can win it with his feet. He gives them such an added dimension. If he comes back healthy, which that's obviously the big question mark, both he and Tua. Um, but I think I think even with a a, a fresh. Lamar Jackson, who hasn't played in a while, even if he's not 100%, I think if he has like the game of his life, he could put a hurting on the Bengals. I really do. I, I mean, he's he's that dangerous um, and what he does with that offense. And I don't feel the same about what Miami could do against the Bills. Now, the Bills are a little bit, they're in an awkward, awkward is not the right word, but they're in an interesting situation. I didn't think they looked that good this week. And in a pretty much a, a game that was they were considering must win, right, to to be able to, you know, try to at least secure, you know, their future, you know, two special teams touchdowns really guiding your offense. Usually uh. you're going to blow some, if you have two kickoff returns for a touchdown, you're usually going to blow somebody out and they fairly kind of. Yeah. Back. yeah. yeah. So it, those, those, those games are going to be interesting, but I, but I still think the bills are going to come out ahead. I, I really do. I, I think, I don't think the dolphins have enough in the tank to overcome that. And so I think that, you know, that a Ravens win um, over the Bengals could throw things into a really crazy flux, right? Because I think everybody's anticipating bills, Bengals, one of them wins. They play the chiefs in the AFC championship game. I think that's what everybody's expecting, but I think the Baltimore's to me, no pun intended or pun intended. I think they're the wild card this weekend. Just one real interesting thing to bring up. Um, talk with Brett Veach, the GM for the Chiefs, before the season, and I just asked him specifically about Justin Reed, what they liked about him, because they targeted him in free agency really mm-hmm. early on. And uh, I thought his answer, answer was really interesting. He said, you know, there's a possibility you face a matchup coming up somewhere along the line in a big game where you need to be able to stop a mobile quarterback, whether that's Josh Allen. He actually first specifically brought up Lamar Jackson. And we've seen Mm -hmm. this in the past with the Chiefs is that they've had trouble stopping that sort of run game. And so um, that is something to watch. You know, Justin Reed has played closer line of scrimmage. He's been able to be kind of physical in the run game. And uh, what uh, Brett Beach was talking about is basically – able to leave your safety out there, but be physical enough to come up and stop the quarterback run game. So that's been something on the chief's mind for a long time to be able to potentially counteract that sort of thing. And maybe an area where Justin Reed gives them a little something different than what Tyran Matthew gave them uh, previously. So just something to think about if this uh, chief's Ravens matchup does come about, because again, we've seen quarterbacks, whether it's Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, give the chief some problems in the quarterback run game. It seems like that move in particular, and Justin Reed's been playing great here the last five or six weeks. You know, the last game against the Raiders played really well too. But um, if that does come to fruition, maybe just something keeping back in your mind that the Chiefs were maybe planning for something like this mm. even before the season began. 
Jesse, that's that's a great stuff there. You also alluded earlier, Jesse, that uh, about the special teams. The Chiefs uh, played perhaps their most complete game, at least in some time, because the Raiders look great. I, I'm curious your take on on the special teams that you mentioned earlier, because um, that's I think they're the most complete team out there. They have the number one seed. They have so much going for them. Uh, special teams are scary. I think that is one area that could trip them up. And I always thought Dave Tobe was one of the best in the business. Townsend's a pro bowler this year. Um, Bucker's been one of the best in the business. And then, of course, they've had all the punt return uh, issues and muffs. What, what, what do you think is going on there? And do you think they've fixed that after a good performance against the Raiders? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so for first off, Dave Tobe, I don't think he forgot everything he knew about special teams in one year. I mean, sometimes things <laughs> happen. I think a lot of the negative negative stuff that happened, honestly, was them trying to trust a rookie in Sky Moore who hadn't done it before and trying to maintain faith in him and then trying again. And obviously, after the second fumble, probably should have aborted the plan and tried again with the third one and then pulled the plug on that particular play. Um, so some of this stuff seems kind of fluky. Um, you know, the holds obviously got took on a whole other level after Townsend dropped one. And, you know, th- th- obviously there was an issue with the operation going on there. Um, but, you know, if you talk about this, how many kicks have the Chiefs tried between point afters and field goals all year and how many have they screwed up? I mean, it's sort of like talking about a pitcher through 100 pitches and they mess up three or four. We're not usually talking about the three or four. We're talking about the 96 other pitches. Um, so, but it's magnified, you know, you can't have these sorts of issues. And obviously uh, all of us on the call have been around for times where chiefs special teams issues in the most important games have really cost them at costly times and have been storylines for, especially that playoff losing streak that, that the chiefs had recently. So um, I just think this, I mentioned before about Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reed, the advantage that chiefs have, which is if they line up and things go normally, the Chiefs are probably going to win. You know what I mean? If the Chiefs line up against the Dolphins or the Ravens and everything goes to plan, if both teams play their C game, the Chiefs win. Where the problem with special teams is, I think, is that Dave Tobe has been used to, like with the Bears, winning games for his team. Kind of like the old Marty Ball Chiefs. You know what I mean? The special mm-hmm. teams are winning it. Devin Hester would go out and win you a game. Like the Bills had two touchdowns off of kickoff returns. You go win the game. And it's sort of hard because he has pride in his job. He wants to do it well. He knows how to coach up blocking schemes and things like that but i don't know that's what this team needs you know what i'm saying like this team doesn't need special teams to go out and win it a game necessarily i think they needed to go out and lose the game which it's done actually a couple times so far this season so that's kind of hard to have a guy like dave tobe who has a lot of pride in his job wants to do it well believes in his heart that the chiefs will make a game-changing play down the stretch and maybe they will and maybe he'll be proven right i just think if i were the chiefs i would take a step back and say look if nothing else, give Patrick Mahomes the football. Just just pass Justin Watson back there. Have him fair catch it. Like he'll catch it. You can see he, he'll catch it. And so those six yards you can maybe return seven yards, eight yards on part return. It's not worth the fumble like Kadarius Tony had two weeks ago. That sort of thing. So that's where I come at it from. But I can understand the operation of what's happening here, which is Dave Tobin, his heart of hearts, says I know how to coach this. I know these guys are getting better. I know I have a lot of young players. I know they'll be good by the end of the season. I know I'm going to help create a game-changing play in one of these games that's going to win him the game. And again, he might be proven right. I just, if I'm the Chiefs, I play it more conservative because I have Patrick Mahomes. And every time he has the football, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a great chance the Chiefs are going to score a touchdown. So if it was me, I would ease my foot off the gas a little bit, 
But it, I, you know, I asked Dave Toe about this last week, and he said that's not the answer on like fair catches on punts. He said they're going to continue to be aggressive. They're going to make a play coming up here. And so, uh, like I said, we'll see how this all turns out, but at least something to think about and consider right now. And if I were the Chiefs, I would mostly go the do not harm route. I would I would want the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands and say. I'm living and dying with this guy because the offense is so good. And if we just, you know, variance is this. If you're an underdog against the Chiefs, you want these crazy things to happen. You want fumbles. You want you want craziness. If you're the Chiefs, you want this. Let's just yeah. play this thing out. Let's have Patrick Mahomes back there, and let's see how it ends up with the final score. And so, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll see kind of how uh, how the playoffs go. There could be a game where special teams makes a difference, and uh, we'll go back to this podcast and laugh a little bit. But as of right now, I would say that the Chiefs have a really good football team that does not need a roller coaster. They need a flat a flat line. If they get a flat line, they they're most likely going to win their first game and have a great chance to win their second one too. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Jesse. And because I, I was actually going to ask you, and I'll, I'll get this. You already you already answered it, so you, you probably don't even have to. But I'll just get the question out there. I was going to ask you, like, from a special teams perspective, would you rather have the special teams name in the paper because that could be either something really good or really bad, or more like the lineman's mentality where you're getting a fine in in the offensive line room if you get your name in the paper. Uh, you know, so. Me personally, the way that I always look at it, and, and I'll answer my own question, is I, I'd much rather, like you, not have the variance. I'd rather – oh, did we even have special teams today? Like, you know, people would be like, was was there – did we even punt? Did we kick? Like, what happened? Like, I'd rather it be like – like you said, no arm. I don't want to hear about special teams because if we're not hearing about them, it means they're doing their job and they're letting the teams that are going to be out there for 70, 65, 80 sometimes plays – let them do their thing as opposed to, you know, the 10 to 15 special teams plays uh, that, you know, could it make a difference if you go after that punt? Yeah, but you know what? You could also rough the punter and, you know, you keep your defense out there for a whole nother series. Or, you know, you could try to, like you said, get that kick return for seven, eight yards or just fair catch it. Patrick's going to get that eight yards back. Right. Let's not take any risks. Well, and I think I think the risk reward ratio here is worth talking about, too, because we hear yeah. Andy a lot of times talk about this with Patrick Mahomes. Like sometimes he will run out of the pocket, do his crazy play, flip it over to Jarek McKinnon, and he's running down the sideline for 70 yards. And it's an amazing play. You've never seen it before. Sometimes he runs out of the pocket, flings around, thinks he can make a play, and it ends up as an interception. But again, the risk reward ratio there is like, 80% of the time, Patrick Mahomes is doing something that's amazing that's going to gain yardage. And the 20%, okay, you live with that because the, the upside is so great. Yeah. I had a story in the, the, the Star last week about this uh, after Dave Tobe's comments. And um, there's these new stats out there called expected points added. So you can take basically your game situation before the play happened and then your game situation after the play happened and estimate how many points you've gained or lost. And the Chiefs this year on punt returns have lost 19.5 points. Wow. Just punt returns. Um, and I looked up, it was the worst mark in a couple years in the NFL. They've lost 0.3 yards per punt return, uh, expected points per punt return. That was the worst mark since 2013. So almost wow. a decade. And so again, it's the same sort of thing. Like the risk reward here is like the reward is, I mean, they've been averaging like six or seven yards per punt return. So like if things go right for you, you're gaining six or seven yards. You just said it, Joe, like Patrick Mahomes does that in his sleep. That's the first play of his drive. You know what I mean? Like right. you're probably it, it's not that much of a reward. We also have to add in here. Some of these negative plays that happen is holding penalties. I mean, that's not a nothing on punt returns too. That happens quite a bit. So you actually start further back than you would have um, with that. So um, again, I think it's, this can't come from Dave Tobe. This has to come from Andy Reid or even Brett Beach or somebody above to say, Dave, we appreciate what you're doing. 
We know you have great pride in your work. We know you believe in your guys. This is not an issue of that. This is a team thing. Like everybody's in this together. And right now, this, like you said, that's a perfect point or way to make it, Joe, is to say special teams does not need to be in the paper. If the special teams is not in the paper, the Chiefs are advancing to the next round of the playoffs. You know what I mean? So that's sort of the risk reward right now. Right now, the risk to me greatly outweighs the reward that potentially happens because there are fewer punt return touchdowns in the NFL. There are fewer long returns. Special teams are getting better with coverages. And right now, when you lose possession, it's just such a big game-changing play. It has been in multiple games for the Chiefs. So uh, that's where I would stand with that. But like I said, um, in a couple of weeks, we could be talking about a punt return <laughs> touchdown from Darius Tony, And then right. boy, right. was just in the right. He knew it was coming. And he was, uh, you know, saw in his crystal ball. So um, this is sort of the fat thing stuff we talk about. And uh, wait to see how it all plays out. Take take your foot off the gas just just a little bit, Coach Tobe. Just a little bit. Yeah. Um. What you you mentioned, Jesse Kadarius Tony, and we'll get you out on this. Do you think he's going to be the difference in some of the game? He's really shown some flashes late in the season. And why do you think you know he he's looked he's so shown so much potential? The Giants, a team kind of bereft of receiving talent, really gave up on him. I, I'm curious your take on this. So uh, we do a breakdown post uh called the details a video where uh me and brett tavo he's a, a former offensive or, i'm sorry former offensive coordinator in high school and we break down a play and this week it's going to be on uh Kadarius tony and one of his runs that the chiefs had out of a two running back set except for Kadarius was one of the running backs it's an identical play the chiefs ran last year with tyree kill so this is sort of fascinating to me of kind of like how the chiefs have done this have they've taken a half step back but yet remain 14 and three which is you sell Tyreek Hill, you know, on a trade and get all these resources back. And then you trade a third and a sixth for Kadarius Tony, and you bring him in and he's running some of these gadget plays that you really liked with Tyreek Hill. And so, I mean, you start to see like, this is how teams get to be 14 and three, right? Like you take in all the resources from the guy who's going to be expensive with the contracts and you take the picks in and then you bring in a guy on a buy low from a third round pick who's on his rookie contract for four more years and he's able to do 30% of what Tyreek did for 0.1% of the price. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of fascinating. And it's amazing to me, like he played 16 snaps last week on offense, guys. So for him to have three runs, two catches, right. another touchdown that was called back, um, it does seem to be kind of one of these toys that Andy is playing with and has great potential. And I'm sure defensive coordinators are like, oh, God, that's another headache. I mean, mm -hmm. the Chiefs shouldn't mm -hmm. have this sort of guy on the roster when you already have Mahomes and Andy Reid scheming up plays. But I do think it also talks to a broader point um, just about the Chiefs this year, which is they were missing McCall Hardman last game. They were missing Sky Moore last game. So basically had four receivers. I, I know Smith Marset was active, but I think he had two snaps with the offense and non-garbage time. We didn't really even talk about that. Why is that? Because the Chiefs just played their tight ends. Mm -hmm. And so last year it was like shotgun, throw it to Tyreek or throw it to Kelsey. Kelsey. This year, it's like, okay, well, now it's 13 personnel. They got three tight ends out there. Okay, now they're putting their gadget player on the field, and he's running out of the backfield as a receiver. Oh, now you're going under center and doing play action. I mean, it just feels like Andy's bag is bigger this year. And I don't want to say that makes them bulletproof, but it might make them less matchup-proof. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. if ABC doesn't work, They've got DEF to go to in a particular game. So I think Darius Tony is part of that. And when McCall Hardman comes back, maybe it's less. Maybe there's still more out there um, they can get uh, Kadarius Tony. But it seems like they've gotten the playbook to him for this specific thing here to basically say, this is what you do. These are the gadget plays. But, man, the way he's able to move in space, um, Patrick Mahomes said last week after the game, basically said that he's never seen anybody move horizontally the way Kadarius Tony does. So almost feels like a cheat code that the Chiefs were able to trade Tyreek Hill and get a guy that does similar type things 
at, like I said, a, a fraction of the cost. So um, that, that again, that's those are the sort of moves you make, I think, to turn you to 14 and three and have people wondering, you know, how you never took a step back. Great stuff. Well, Jesse Newell, uh, you can read the stuff in the Kansas City Star. You mentioned some of the, the stats you've been kind of highlighting. I really enjoyed that. Kind of a, a new fresh take for the Kansas City Star there. Uh, Jesse, thanks so much for joining us. This is great. Yeah, Jesse, what a what a what a treat to have, you know, our listeners hear hear you audibly, you know, so it's almost as if you're reading your columns, you know, and stories to our listeners. So what a treat. Thank you so much. What a, what a, what a pleasure. Hey, well, thanks for having me, guys. That was fun. And yeah, the nerdiness comes out every single time. So <laughs> well, if you enjoyed this show, this nerdy show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.